In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about how to live the Catholic faith and teach it to the people you encounter, whether it's family, friends, other Christians, people of other religions, even atheists. And your hosts today are myself, Deanna Johnston, the Director of Family Life for the St. Philip Institute. And Mickey Siba, the Seasons of Infancy and Initiation Specialist at the Institute. Yay, and we are very excited because today um, we are going to discuss the Sacrament of Holy Matrimony. That's an area where I'm working a lot in, um, but specifically focusing on formation for the sacrament and how it should, the formation doesn't end at the wedding day. Uh, but the best part of this is that we're joined by Jody Todd, the Marriage Formation Coordinator at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in Tyler. Hey, Jody. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. So, Jody, can you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself and what marriage formation coordinator, what does that mean? Okay, great. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Uh, okay, so my name's Jody. I have been married to Adam. We got married, we met at the University of Dallas about 18 years ago. Oh. We've been married 14 years, and then we have five children, uh, 13 all the way down to one. So, kind of a fun range of nice. kids. And uh, yeah, so I have been working in marriage ministry since we lived in Dallas, which is where we lived for the first several years, and then we've lived here for about eight and a half years. And uh, and so we've been working in marriage uh, ministry, like specifically marriage preparation ministry, since we had been married about two to three years. So what's that, 11 years? Um, and we were actually recruited by a couple at our old parish in Plano, who was involved in marriage ministry. And um, I always, I guess I always found that kind of stuff really interesting when talking about personalities and, um, you know, the sacrament of matrimony from my degree in theology. I just really loved studying about that. So I was really excited when they approached us because I knew they weren't thinking your marriage is perfect. That's not right. why they were asking, but <laughs> right. they must have had some feeling that we liked it, you know, that we liked the idea of that ministry. And so, uh, so we joined up there, and we started getting training and working with couples back there. And then when we moved here, we joined up with Father Braun, and he uh, he kind of said, you know, I want you guys to help build this marriage ministry thing that we're doing out here. And so we got a lot of training uh, from Jan and Lloyd Tate, and then and then now we're hooked up with you, and so <laughs> witness to love. And so yeah, that that's kind of our history of marriage formation mostly centered around marriage preparation. So, oh, and you asked me about being the marriage formation yeah, coordinator at the cathedral. Yeah, what does that look like? So the position that I did for a long time was kind of like, um, it's really a volunteer position, uh, but I would take the couples that the priests would give me and then I would match them up with um, trained mentor couples. But under the new model, you know this, the couple, the engaged couple chooses their mentor. And so the marriage formation coordinator 
is kind of there to assist the priest. You know, the, the primary marriage formation coordinator is the priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, working as lay people uh, in the church, are working as extensions of the priest. I think that's really essential that we re- remember the proper order. Um, but the priest can't do everything, and I think it's helpful for them to work alongside of someone um, who will take their vision and and kind of bring it to the couples. The couples coming in, they have a lot of uh, preconceived ideas about what marriage is in the church right. and uh, what right. they're going to encounter when they come in. And I think that uh, my primary job, more important than anything else, is just that I bring love to them and that I make them feel welcome and that um, I remember personally that they're we're seeking for them to encounter Jesus Christ when they walk through the door and that I that is my job is to just make sure that whatever their experience is that they that they are having that encounter with the church when they come in right. and that's awesome and so yeah so we we just um, help I just kind of help facilitate them working through all the different steps and make sure if they have questions that they have someone they can get a hold of and things like that so that they know someone there sees them cares and yes. is wanting to help them yeah I so. really love that because I think especially in the church we were realizing the importance of accompaniment and walking mm-hmm. with couples and I know from working in a parish before coming here being able to get to know the couples that are mm-hmm. preparing for the sacrament is mm-hmm. so important because otherwise it's just kind of like we're putting them through this process mm-hmm. and then sending them through and then they're done and then we move on to the next person. But when having like this intentional marriage formation coordinator role, mm-hmm. I, I really love how that's been able to help build relationships between the couples that are coming forward mm-hmm. and uh, connecting them with the parish. Like like you were saying, yeah. we just we we care that you're getting married yeah. <laughs> in the church. Right. We actually want you to be yeah. here. And in the Constitution on Teaching, um, in Section 3, Bishop Strickland talks about uh, the formation and continuing support that we offer to engaged newlywed couples is perhaps the most important project that we undertake. So as a diocese, that's something that we've really focused on. Um, but you're one of those folks that's like boots on the ground. <laughs> you're, you're actually working with the couples. We can put up the structure and, and provide like here are the guidelines for uh, for the formation. Um, but I'm I'm really excited to, to just hear from you and, and talk to you about these different perspectives of looking at, okay, how do we how do we best serve couples prior to marriage, and what are those things that you know just the that the church needs to do, but also for couples getting married? Because I know for a lot of the folks that are, are listening, they either know an engaged couple or they are engaged or soon to be engaged, mm-hmm. um, but just things to keep in mind there, um, and then looking at the the different phases like entering into married life. And then what what happens after that, after we've <laughs> we've completed the formation? But I think just to get started, um, what are the key elements of, of marriage formation? Okay, so I think it's uh, really important to kind of note that the most important uh, kind of formation that the couple is going to do for their marriage actually does happen before they are even married. So, you know, the, the first thing is that we're trying to really establish that this is a period of discernment for the couple, that the couple uh, is trying to look at, you know, is this the right person and is this the right time? So those are the, the major two questions that we're trying to help them answer right. for themselves throughout the formation. Um, the, the most important person in their formation is the priest. And so 
I think that priests are very busy today. I know that sometimes they feel like we need, I mean, we all know we need more priests. And so, um, you know, that's why praying for vocations is so important. But um, the priest can't be substituted. I mean, he has to be in our new formation program. He is the first person that the, the couple really encounters in a meeting. Um, so when the couples call in, maybe I'll answer some of their initial questions, but none, none of it starts until they've met with Father. So the priest uh, can't give that away. You know, our priests need to, to take a very active role. The couples are, you know, frequently afraid of priests or they're afraid that maybe the priest is going to judge them. Of course, we know that's not true, but you know, they, they need to know that. So they need to come in, they need to meet with Father. He will ideally uh, kind of disarm them and make them feel very welcome, which they are, but also challenge them because um, marriage is a lofty thing and we don't need to act like it's just a cakewalk and no problem, right? We want to set them up with the right expectations from the beginning. But also, hopefully what he's doing is establishing a safe place that the couple can always come and maybe even invite them further into receiving the sacraments and things like that, which will nourish their marriage for life. So that's kind of the first step, Um, you know, meeting with the marriage prep coordinator and kind of going over uh, the requirements and all of that. We ask the couples to take a couple inventory. So that inventory is designed to kind of highlight uh, a little bit of a snapshot of their relationship for the the people working with them but also for the couple themselves because uh, we want them to see hey you're doing these things really great keep that up you know what might what might you be doing that's causing you to succeed in these areas let's think about that but also here you know we've got we see some issues some potential areas for conflict we want the couples to know what those are before they get married because obviously they're not going to go away right so <laughs> right. right right so um and then they choose a mentor uh I like that you use the word accompaniment. The The mentor is the lifeline to the parish for the couple because they're going to be meeting in their home uh, on a very personal level. The mentor shares, the engaged couple shares, um, but they choose someone that's going to Mass regularly. So ideally, uh, they're going to start going to Mass with the mentor couple as well. So the mentor couple is the extension of the church that makes the couple continue to feel welcome. And so we want we want that it's essential uh, that the couple has a solid relationship with an experienced mentor Maybe. to kind of walk with them. I think that's so good too because um, I but when I was engaged and people were like oh just just know that marriage is hard and I'm like Mm-mm-mm. not for us he's a holy man I'm trying to be a holy woman right. and I didn't even realize you know you just kind of and I maybe everyone who's in love right <laughs> kind of has this sort of like glaze um, and. We didn't have a mentor couple, but when I started here at the Diocese of Tyler and the St. Philip Institute, I love the idea of it. I know other parishes and other dioceses do it, but the idea of having someone that that you're growing in relationship with, that when something happens in your marriage, like, whoa, wait, I heard of this happening in other people's marriages, but not mine, Mm -hmm. you know, and then having that, um, like you said, that lifeline to go to, I just think... Mm -hmm. um, is essential mm-hmm. and something that I wish we had had, but now we know a lot of married couples that uh, kind of help us with those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now more than ever, you know, we live in a world where uh, the, the personal relationship is really important for people. So I know John Paul II talked about this. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. That is a true statement. Our couples, when they come in, 
a lot of them are very closed off. When I'm meeting with them at first, they're very defensive and they're very protective. And they don't want to hear a lot immediately, at least, about church teaching or whatever. That's actually what they're expecting. When they come in, I feel like they're ready for that. Mm -hmm. And that's why they have their defenses up because... Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally they wouldn't, but they do. So, uh, you know, we kind of want to break all that down for them and and make it personal to them and realize that there are people living their faith that are just normal people. You know, we are all just seeking to love God and Mm -hmm. like how that works and to just bring them along with them. It's so much more effective. So once we have that kind of broken down and then we can start layering in catechesis like, kind of another layer of our formation is the retreat. So Deanna has done an amazing job with the three to get married oh, retreat. You. And um, I feel that it's uh, such a gift that we are able to make such connections with these couples that then when we layer in very challenging teachings, they the ground is maybe a little bit more fertile for them to receive this truth that maybe no one has told them before. And right. that's another thing that I... I think is essential in formation right now is that we don't um, be afraid to really tell the couples the truth. Cause I think a lot of them later come back to me and they say, well, I've just never heard that. You know, why have I never heard that? I mean, I hear that a lot. Right. Uh, and, and I say, well, I'm just, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to tell you the truth. You know, I just want you to have the truth and it's cause I love you. And that's what I try to tell them. And hopefully that's, all the people that are touching them throughout the formation process, hopefully that's the message that they're getting is that we just, we want you to have the truth. Right, um, right. Because we love you. Exactly, and I, I really love how you've you've emphasized the importance of us building a relationship with the couples that are coming to us because really that starts from the moment that they contact the parish office. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to, as, as parishes, we have to remember that more because if the first voice that they hear when they say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in getting married in the church is, mm-hmm. oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to find a way to fit you yeah, into Father's right. calendar. Yeah. but. If we express that excitement, and mm-hmm. we really are excited for these couples because we know that the sacrament of marriage is something that's beautiful and it's holy, and we know that this is something that that God is calling them to, and we want to to nourish that. Um, but when we when we present this, what almost what the, the couples are expecting, like you were talking about, Jody, I, I think that they oftentimes couples expect for us to say like, "Oh, you're living together. Yeah. Okay, we should stop that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And and yeah, we'll get to that. We we will talk about that. And we yeah. definitely it comes up throughout the the mentor the mentorship. Mm-hmm. It comes up in the retreat. But by that point, we've built a relationship with them mm-hmm. where it's not like the only reason why we have you in our office right now is so that we can yell at you mm-hmm. or or tell right. you what you're doing wrong. Right. We want to affirm the gift of that relationship mm-hmm. that they're trying to foster. And I think if as parishes, if we could if we could foster that joy mm-hmm. a little bit more about the mm-hmm. fact that yes, another couple is presenting themselves to get married in the mm-hmm. church and maybe, and I, and I know you've probably worked with couples like this before where maybe they don't understand why they're getting married in the church. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because grandma really just really <laughs> mm-hmm. wanted them to, Yeah. but God will work with that. Yeah. And, and it's really awesome to see couples grow from the moment that they, probably from the mo- first time that you meet with them to the time that they get to the altar, like being mm-hmm. able to see that growth that yeah. happens in that in those few months or several months. And I was just going to say that, um, 
Yeah. So kind of just saying, you know, to the thing that you were mentioning about how couples are coming to the church, I just really think that I've seen an improvement in the way that the couples are coming to the church. So when we started this ministry 11 years ago, it seemed like everybody was living together mm-hmm. and everybody, like nobody really knew what they were doing in marriage. And no, I mean, it just, it, it it was not the same. Now I would say it's, I have maybe one in three that comes in that I think, wow, you are really formed. I mean, you, you're on the right track. You're, you're ahead, you know, right. of, of a lot of people. Um, and then I would say there's about a third who come in who kind of want that, but they just maybe never were given the opportunity, you know, and I think that that is a huge shift. So I think that whatever we're doing as a church in marriage, uh, ministry is, Effect, it's, it is effective. I think that I'm seeing a shift in even how these younger kids, uh, not kids because they're adults, but to me, they look like a kid now. <laughs> I'm sure I look like that too, but uh, how they come in, you know, I mean, they're they're impressive. I mean, they, they want the right things for their marriage. And I think that's really inspiring to see that change. Absolutely. So it gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, for sure. That's so. good to hear too, because someone I've never I've been in ministry, but it's always been like youth ministry with the young mm-hmm. people, never marriage ministry. So I think sometimes when you can look at the state of the world, um, it can look kind of bleak mm-hmm. sometimes. But to hear someone who's um, who are the boots on the ground who's saying I've noticed a shift, that is so encouraging, mm-hmm. um, and to keep moving forward right. with this progress, yeah. right? And it makes. It makes me feel good because everybody that's working in ministry in whatever way is sacrificing in some way or another. Right. So we have five kids. So some days I'm just like, oh, <sighs> okay, <laughs> here we go, here we go. <laughs> a meeting or whatever. But, you know, I as much as I'll feel that way sometimes going into it, after I leave, I'm always so inspired by the Holy Spirit and the way that he just works through people on a, on a you know, one-on-one kind of basis and how those conversations can be so fruitful. Uh, not for the couple only, but for me too. I think that uh, one of the real benefits of the program that we're doing now is that the mentors are learning alongside of the engaged couple. So the mentor doesn't have to be perfect. They they need to be going to mass. They need to have a marriage that the couple kind of respects, you know, when they're choosing, but that they get an opportunity to learn and grow as well because we all need that. We all want that. And, uh, and the mentor benefits from the learning process. And then the engaged couple sees the mentor is still working on their marriage. Maybe they've been married 20 or 30 right. years, and they're right. still learning new things about each other. There's a never-ending amount that we can uncover about each other. And so, yeah, marriage never gets boring. You know, it's an Perfect ongoing. A dull moment. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, before we move into kind of the like what does married life look like or, or, you know, what are those things that we can, Mm -hmm. we can do better as far as um, supporting married couples? What would be maybe some advice or, or um, just encouragement that you could offer to engaged couples or couples that are getting ready Mm -hmm. to enter into engagement as they're getting ready to approach the church? What are things that that would be helpful for them as they're going Mm -hmm. through the the formation process? That is a great question. I think um, the number one thing that I would tell the couples is, you know, do not be afraid. Whatever the church is offering, it's not for rules. It's not because people have nothing better to do than to tell them what to do. It's all an invitation for them to set themselves up to have the gold standard. And that's what I tell every couple that sits in front of me is I do not want our couples to be, you know, puttering along in their married life, barely hanging on, 
you know, or not making it at all. I want the married couples that come through our formation to be strong and to thrive and to have the gold standard so that 50 years down the road, they're the couple that everybody looks at and says, wow, they still really love each other, (laughs) you know, and it's evident. And that does not happen without work Work. and and tools. And uh, we would never go get, you know, be a doctor and not get an MD or, you know, be a PhD or whatever you study and you work at it and you learn and you master it. And that is what married couples need to do as well. And that starts an engagement. So I would just say, you know, just be prepared to really dig in and work at this during your engagement and grow and learn about each other since you're saying I do to this person. And that's, you know, a forever thing. And you don't know what that forever will bring learn about this person that you're saying right. that to right. now, yeah. you know, and right. yourself and make sure this is what you want and that it's the right time. And don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. If it, if you discover that it isn't, don't be afraid. Um, don't be afraid to say that it is, you know, to just have courage and be willing to work hard at it, I think is what Absolutely. I would tell them. Absolutely. So. No, that's, that's awesome. So we move from the, the pre-marriage formation into the ongoing and continuing support that Bishop Strickland Um, describes, because I think, especially in parish ministry, I know um, we kind of mentioned this already, um, thinking in in terms of just like marriage prep, um, it was very tempting to think that the formation that we do with our couples ends once they make it to the altar. It's like, Mm -hmm. they've graduated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're done. Congratulations. (laughs) Send you on your way. Exactly. Or even as a a newlywed couple thinking like, we made it. Mm No, it's going to be so easy because we Mm -hmm. did everything the right Right. way. We got married in the church. We go to mass Mm -hmm. on Sunday. Um, But I think what can sometimes happen to couples is that they quickly realize, or maybe after that honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. ends, um, that things are not as easy (laughs) as Mm -hmm. they anticipated or being very surprised at uh, the humanity of (laughs) this person that they've Mm -hmm. they've chosen to to enter into the sacrament with. Um, But yeah, just uh, just talking about that, how can the church better support married couples? Because I think there is still kind of this assumption that, well, if married couples need something, they'll let us know. Mm -hmm. But it seems like the church can probably do a better job of this continued accompaniment that we're not just going to leave you at the altar mm-hmm. and just expect you to show up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but what have you seen as the things that, that can really be beneficial to, to newlyweds okay. or, or married couples? Yeah. So I guess uh, the, the primary thing, like kind of the initial thing is that in the new program that we're doing, the couple has a mentorship that doesn't stop when they get married. So the mentor has a responsibility through the first year to two years, but really through the first five years of that couple's life to continue inviting them over on casual on a casual basis for brunch, for dinner, you know, going out or whatever, um, and continuing to just reach into that couple's lives. Mm-hmm. So uh, to the couple's lives. So is that the right way to say it? Lives? Lives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Their life together. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so the, uh, the mentor is kind of the primary role in making sure that the couple stays connected with the church. The couple also has a responsibility because they need to reach back into the parish. So parishes have a lot of things that they can offer. They could do date nights for couples. We've done that at the cathedral, um, not all the time, but you know, we've had, uh, seasons where we were doing date nights. I thought it was very good. Um, you know, also just small groups is another way and small groups doesn't have to be just, uh, married couples, small groups, anything that's a small group, the cathedral offers women's Bible study. 
So that's not, the couple isn't going together, but the woman is going and she's still being fed and nourished. And I think people need to look for things like that in the parish that they can plug into that are already being offered uh, for them. So I think that's important. And um, obviously just the couple staying faithful to going to the sacrament. So in our formation, we're seeking to set up habits for the couple that they'll continue doing when they're married. So Hopefully they're not going to get married and be like, I'm done now. I mean, that's just the beginning. We we all know that. So um, hopefully we've made it feel safe for them to come to Mass, Mass every Sunday, and to receive confession, and for the priest to continue giving that formation as well. Like, come every month to confession. You probably need that, you know, regular confession. Um, I think another way that the church – can kind of reach out, but the couple kind of reaches in to receive it is through the couple having an opportunity to serve. So the church seeking to provide ways to communicate to the people who are its members, this is where we need you. Because I think a lot of um, the problems that arise in marriage are from selfishness, not just selfishness to each other, but selfishness back into the world. So we need Mm -hmm. to uh, we need to keep, teach the couples through practice in their married life, but also practice to their community how to reach outside of themselves and share their gifts and their talents right. with the community. Yeah. So, right. okay, so, you know, maybe uh, you don't have like a great small group going, but maybe you can serve at the soup kitchen. I bet at the soup kitchen, the couple will meet another couple. They'll, you know, or through RCIA or what, whatever it is, you know, the different things that the church offers as opportunities for service. Maybe they can be a mentor um, in a few years and come back around and do for someone else what was done for them. But that's how that's how Adam and I have met our our best friends, you know, yeah. which we yeah. have we have so many families in Tyler. It's it's unbelievable how many great families and couples there are. Every time we meet a new one, we're just that's another great couple, you know, (laughs) and we just think, I'm so glad, but we met it, you know, through this ministry thing in this place. And then we met and visited with that couple. And then we got to know them a little bit and it just, it grows the community and establishes, um, a little bit more of a family feel that everywhere you go, you know, somebody and it's familiar. So, yeah. Right. Um, And that speaks so much to what the sacrament of marriage is. It's, it is a sacrament of service and mm -hmm. it's, it's not meant to just sanctify, me and my spouse, mm-hmm. but we're supposed to be witnesses of mm-hmm. God's love to the whole world. So our, mm-hmm. our vows mean so much because we're reflecting, okay, this mm-hmm. is how God loves us. So my our vows are not, you know, I promise to love you and honor you for the next five years, and then we'll renegotiate the terms and conditions of this contract. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> I give everything to you yeah. because Christ has given everything to us. Yeah. And I, I love that emphasis on on going out of ourselves, like giving back. And mm-hmm. I think especially bef- before children arrive, if, if mm-hmm. a couple is blessed to, to have kids, that that time can be a real a yeah. growth of, of generosity. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we can just we can just Netflix and hang yeah. out, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, or yeah. we could get involved in the parish community yeah. and, uh, yeah, just get involved that way. Yeah, yeah I think that's so good, too, because, um, I mean, I was, I've been in ministry ever since I graduated college and Matt and I got married right after college. Um, so I was working in the church, but still that was like my job. And, mm-hmm. um, and we sort of dabbled in different things, but mm-hmm. this idea of like intentional involvement as a couple mm-hmm. in the life of the church, um, there's nothing that can, that can replace that. And, mm-hmm. um, 
looking back on it, like we enjoyed our time together, but like, man, we could have done so much in that time mm-hmm. before children came, mm-hmm. you know? So really <laughs> emphasizing, mm-hmm. you know, to couples mm-hmm. that th- that moment, it's yes, you're enjoying each other, but at the same time, there's so much, you have this freedom mm-hmm. as a couple to just dive into your community and mm-hmm. get to know um, the other people that you're worshiping with um, in these different sort of venues that are mm-hmm. offered. And so encouraging them to, to do that, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And if the couple, you know, finds themselves in difficult waters, you know, I guess I just would have wanted to encourage them not to feel embarrassed about that because I think one of the reasons uh, people kind of start to pull away from the church a little bit uh, is that they're embarrassed. You know, if they go through a hard time or if something happened in their marriage, kind of like you said before, that they thought, not my marriage, then they feel Maybe. they feel very humiliated by that, like they're a failure or something. But the reality is that is that marriage is harder than ever today because – it's not really supported in the world, at least not what we're saying that marriage is. It's not something that we're pursuing for our happiness. Hopefully we are happy in it, but that's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it to be happy. Uh, we're doing it um, as a mission. You know, it's a mission and it's a call and it's a vocation. And so um, it's a really, really important thing that couples f- realize, okay, if I'm in this marriage and it's not going well, or if he's not who I thought he was, or if something happens, that they need to come back immediately. I mean, don't wait, don't don't hesitate, don't feel like you have anything to hide or don't be ashamed, you know, just come back and, and seek help because a lot of the couples, they come in after it's already fallen apart. Right. You know, I mean, right. it's fallen apart. Maybe, they, maybe uh, there's already a divorce in the works or something like that. Or, I mean, they're just, they've waited so long that they're just feeling very destroyed and hopeless about, you know, redeeming their relationship. And, and that, that is the piece that makes me the most sad. Cause I just want the couples not to feel afraid of admitting that they're having a problem. I want them to just right. come back. And, yeah, and there's right. so many things that we can do to help them if they just come. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know? I think that that touches on the importance of community and, mm-hmm. and familiaris consortio, I would have brought the whole document, but it's huge. And I <laughs> highlighted a million things, but familiaris consortio by uh, St. John Paul II, um, he's got sections where he talks about, you know, the importance of preparation long before a couple even shows up, the um, the immediate uh, preparation, remote, proximate, and immediate mm-hmm. preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a whole section that talks about pastoral care after marriage. So this is from uh, paragraph 69. Um, he says, The pastoral care of the regularly established family signifies in practice the commitment of all the members of the local ecclesial community to helping the couple to discover and live the new vocation and mission. In order that the family may be ever more a true community of love, it is necessary that all its members should be helped and trained in their responsibilities as they face the new problems that arise in mutual service and in acting, sharing, in family life. This holds true especially for young families, which (laughs) finding themselves in the context of new values and responsibilities he would have put like diapers and <laughs> and screaming toddlers if he could. managing a budget <laughs> are more vulnerable, especially yeah. in the first few years of marriage, to possible difficulties such as those created by the adaptation to life together or by the birth of children. Young married couples should learn to accept willingly and make good use of the discreet 
tactful and generous help offered by other couples that already have more experience of married and marriage and family life. Mm-hmm. I love that because mm-hmm. he's saying you cannot do this by yourself. Right. You can't. And I and I know for us that can be a very humbling thing. So we have three young kids. I can tell you all kinds of stories of (laughs) (laughs) going to mass with little kids or just navigating the complexities of having little kids, still being, we've been married for six years, which is still Mm -hmm. not very long in the the grand scheme of things. Um, But where we have found the greatest support is in um, is in connecting with families like y'all. Y'all have, y'all are like the professionals. You've oh, been no, professional. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you or you've been through chapters that that Michael and I sure. are um, are preparing to to enter into, mm-hmm. or uh, you've been there, done that, and it's just nice to know, like, okay, this is hard right now. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. won't always be like that. So mm-hmm. even just hearing things like that mm-hmm. from from other couples can be such a refreshing thing right. to hear like okay we're not one we're not alone mm-hmm. and two this we're this isn't a unique problem to just us mm-hmm. we yeah. other people have survived toddlers and yes. marriage That's yeah right. and i think too just recognizing and i i don't know if i just had this like disney fairyland kind of idea of marriage that all the drama happens before you meet right. Prince Charming, then you yeah. meet Prince Charming, and everything is fine. Um, and so when we encountered um, some difficulties, which now I understand every married couple does, but mm-hmm. then I didn't. I'm like, wait, you see you see these people who like mm-hmm. love each other, and they always seem to like each other. Um, they don't have problems, and you think that there's just something intrinsically, intrinsically mm-hmm. wrong with like your union or mm-hmm. you, um, because you're like, oh, I don't know, people haven't really talked about like, certain issues or mm-hmm. a certain problem. And so you did, there is a sense of like being completely vulnerable and like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can share this or who do I talk to about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single married couple has hard times, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them. And I think just embracing that and noticing that like, okay, even though we're not going to like put it on a billboard, knowing that anyone who has been married knows mm-hmm. that there are struggles, um, different seasons in life bring different challenges, but just knowing that every married couple knows knows what it's like to struggle, mm-hmm. knows what it's like to be in a dark place, knows how to get out of that or mm-hmm. things that have worked for them. Right. And right. Um, and so, and that's why I love the, the mentorship beforehand, mm-hmm. getting involved in your community. And it goes back like the community life, knowing those people who are sort of in that same season of life who can offer um, – that guidance or like, well, this worked for us. I don't know if it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that every, if you struggle, like that's normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're not abnormal. Like there's, yeah, it's not that there's absolutely. something wrong. Um, that's just the part of your pursuit, especially if you're trying to live marriage in the way that God designed it. Mm-hmm. Like the enemy, right? The devil mm-hmm. does not want that to happen. Right. And so to think that there's not going to be attacks on your family life is I think a little naive. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing, like, we are here for a mission and a mm-hmm. vocation, and if we're doing this properly, there are going to be tons of sort of obstacles in our way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And so just knowing, like, okay, embrace the hardship. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, that, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I was, I really like what you said, and I was thinking about uh, one of the things that I do try to kind of prepare my couples for um, is the two becoming one and kind of how that how that might feel when it's happening. So I think we all kind of think about that in terms of like the conjugal act and the two become one flesh and that is real. And man, that's, that's just in that 
one area, there's a lot of potential areas where we can hurt each other and things oh, like that. Sure. So it is for mm-hmm. sure, um, you know, something that is an effort for the two to become one. But that is just one way that this is kind of, you know, played out in the drama that is marriage. I mean, you know, I think of, you know, when Adam and I were early married um, and and just basic habits that he has that I thought were so weird or gross or whatever, which they <laughs> they really weren't. But I mean, I was just like, take your laundry to the hamper, right you know, there. but my mom right drilled there. that into me, you know, yeah. or like Adam is a finance guy. He's a planner. And so he wants... I mean, he just wants like this most specific budget. And I hate talking about money. I mean, I could just, I would just rather not ever talk about it. And so, you know, to become one, sharing your, you know, your bedroom, sharing your kitchen, sharing your bathroom, um, sharing your heart, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. And sometimes we share something and our spouse is rude or they don't receive it right or they don't. Uh, they don't know how to receive it or they don't have the skills or they weren't paying attention. They were distracted and we feel hurt. But we have to continue kind of working for that unity uh, in the marriage. And I think uh, just kind of acknowledging ahead of time, hey, when you get married, this thing that you always did your way, you may be asked to let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This this money that you had into your own account it's not in your, I mean, you can put money in separate accounts, but you're both on the accounts. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's everybody's. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. Uh, and yeah, you're whatever food you like. I really like to eat Asian food and Mediterranean food. Nobody in my family of seven people <laughs> likes that stuff but me. Adam doesn't ever want curry in any of the foods that I make because he doesn't like it. So I'm always like, okay, I mean, I'll cook for what y'all like or whatever, you know, but there's no part. I mean, it's, trivial as that seems there's no part of myself that I get to withhold and say but thi- but this mm-hmm. is mine every single thing I'm going to be asked to give it into the the mutual pot that is our married life together yeah, and yeah. all of our all of who we are goes into the pot him and me together right um time is another big commodity I, people don't think about time as a commodity but it is one and so Adam and I, you know, we never, and I don't mean to hold us up as the ideal, but we learned this. So we never take time away from the family without uh, getting the consent of each other. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he would never just go out with guys and be like, hey, I'm going out with the guys. He or, you know, go work out without making sure that the family could give that, right. you know. Yeah, um, right. And so time is a commodity. Using it, uh, a lot of guys today will, or girls to, you know, phones. Um, that's time, you know, that's our attention distracted into something else, video games, TV, whatever it is, just kind of paying attention and making a withdrawal out of the family's commodity of time and attention without the other's consent. And we need to kind of be conscious of the little ways that uh, the culture makes us feel like we can pursue what's what we want without considering what's best for our spouse and our children. Right. And so I think that... Um, that just kind of made me think of the pursuit of unity and the the two becoming one. Just kind mm-hmm. of listening to how how shocked you were when you got married. Oh, I don't I don't like that about you or whatever. <laughs> or why are you doing it that way? Yeah. And you know, I had one couple. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I just this tickled me so much. He left the cabinets open. <laughs> That's so. <scary>. Me. <laughs> and if you're listening, 
I won't say who you are, but um, <laughs> he would leave the cabinets of it. And so she would come in to make a sandwich and she would close all the cabinets. And then he would come back through and be like, why did you close all the cabinets? I'm making something. And she'd be like, can you just get the thing out and then close the cabinet? Like, and then reopen it when you need something. He's like, that's such a waste of time. I just want the, I mean, it's just such a small yeah. thing that I'm like, so, so we had a, we had some conversations like, yeah. okay, who's going to give in here because you want something different. Like it was cute. And they're a great couple, but that's so funny. That's just, I wonder how things. many people are listening. Like, yes, the cabinet, the cabinet. Like, the yeah. there. Yes. put the pickles back in the fridge. Yeah. They would take a pickle out and then they, they wouldn't put it back in the fridge. Yeah, Exactly. It's almost like marriage is an encounter where you are confronted with your own selfishness right. in a way and mm-hmm. that can be kind of startling yeah. <laughs> especially I, yeah. I mean you touched on all the things time uh the bathroom it's not that hard but you know he's got other yeah. he's got other missions to, right. to accomplish he's apparently. solving the world's problems yeah. in his mind the yeah. socks on the floor is exactly. not a big deal yeah. exactly yeah. so learning to let go of some of that stuff and Oh, I got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I got a long way to go. Yeah. But that's why marriage helps us grow in sanctity. That's right. We sanctify yeah. each other yes, often. Indeed. <laughs> I remember the moment that uh, I realized, and it was it was a few years in, that I could choose to be mad about the socks on the bathroom floor mm-hmm. or that I could decide to, as an act of love, just give him the gift of walking them to the hamper so that he didn't have to because it wasn't anything for me. Yeah. And so by just changing my focus, by changing what I was looking at, um, like how I was choosing to, I mean, it was my choice. How did I want to feel about the socks on the floor? Did I want to perceive about that, that he doesn't care about me? Or did I want to perceive about that, um, that he just wasn't thinking about it, which we all do that and just do it for him. And then I started realizing I can I can look for opportunities to just do it for him and make his life better and easier and mm. more consoled. Right. And then I thought that I think I think that's what a wife is actually supposed to do. You know, I just never learned that or right. had that formation. So right. I mean, I did in some ways, but not like that. Yeah. And so just kind of yeah. realizing that was a kind of a game changing moment for me and how I perceived myself as a wife to him and my responsibilities. Right. And it made it so much more joyful for me to serve him. And then I noticed him starting to do it back. I don't want to say that it's all because of my choice, but whatever it was, the chicken or the egg, you know, we just kind of started realizing, wait a minute, if we're both choosing each other and we both just lean in Mm -hmm. uh, rather than pulling away, uh, you know, ultimately we're both, we're both like doing this. So we're both getting Mm -hmm. our needs met, but by the other person. So we're not pursuing the meeting of our own need and pulling away. We're leaning in. I don't know. It just made our, our unity a lot stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's a great reminder to the grace of the sacrament that exists because, and it's not like grace is this magical pixie dust that we get right. when we get married and all of a sudden everything is easy and it's really easy to love our spouse, but that sometimes it is very difficult to assume the best in your spouse or mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's really difficult to serve. Um, but leaning into that grace that God mm-hmm. has given us, because God knows this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be really mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. There are days when and Michael will say this in some of the talks we give. Sometimes he rolls over in the morning and I am not his favorite person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is not bone yeah. of my bone, flesh of my flesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a vision. 
but it's in, in choosing to love the other person. Mm-hmm. That's what we've signed up for yeah. in the yeah. sacrament. And I know we've talked a little bit about you know that that it is okay to admit that we need help in, in mm-hmm. our relationships. Um, and some of the the challenges that I've, I've noticed, especially in, in just talking with other wives sometimes, is that we don't always go to the right people when it mm-hmm. comes to asking for that support yes. or mm-hmm. that, that help. And sometimes, you know, going to your girlfriends, it, it can turn into husband bashing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. or complaining, and it's not really a, uh, a fruitful support. But Jenny, what would you recommend? I, I mean, as far as a couple saying, okay, we recognize that we're in a, a tough spot right now. What are the, the things that you would recommend as far as reaching out for help? You know, mm-hmm. do, they, do they just talk to their parish? Are there books you would recommend? Or kind of what would be the, the, the process for, for going through that? Yeah, so I do think that there's kind of general, general principles of how people can kind of come to the church and mm-hmm. ask. I think, um, you know, first of all, just if you're kind of approaching a problem or tackling an issue, I think that the most important thing that you can do first is just go to confession. I think everybody needs to just go to confession, get a clear conscience. Um, a lot of times the priest in confession might be able to draw out something for you that might get to the root of it. So I think staying close to the sacraments is essential. Uh, we as, and the church have them, so to not use them almost seems so silly, but we can get kind of in our own world when we're having an issue and we can kind of put our head back into our own problem and stop realizing like just down the street is Jesus and he wants to help me you know yeah so like just kind of doing that initial step um scheduling a meeting to talk to the priest I think is very very important um coming and kind of bringing the issue to him priests hear a lot of confessions so they there's not an issue that they haven't heard Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that many of at least our diocesan priests give very good counsel. So I think kind of reaching out to your priest. Um, if you have a person that's in your parish office, like um, I'm not a licensed therapist, so I can't give like formal counseling. But a lot of times I can tr- I'm a troubleshooter. So mm-hmm. when they come in, I can listen to their issue. We can meet, we can talk. Um, and then if they need what I what I believe to be professional counseling, then I we do I know some people and I can refer them to the licensed therapists that are in our area. Um, But, you know, some people feel at least initially like, that's expensive. Do I have to do that? And so when they come and talk to me, we can kind of visit about things and then decide, is that actually necessary or not? Uh, And then they feel a little bit better about uh, justifying the expense of it. Um, I also think if you have a mentor couple, um, please go to them. You know, that would be just go to them. That's what they were there for. You know, you, you did the meetings, you shared that friendship, like they're not going to judge you. Go back to your mentor and talk to them. Um, I don't know if that kind of answers your question, yeah, but absolutely. that those are kind of the initial steps. And then to just continue pursuing uh, healing, whatever it is that's the problem, the disruption in the marriage, just continue to pursue healing. Don't give up because it's a, it's a sacrament. It's a covenant. It's it's in place. So you know, don't just toss your hands up and think, well, it would be easier if we didn't try to work this out because that's right. a super big lie. It's right. not um, right. marriages that you know are splintered and kind of end do not bring any more healing to the couple. Usually, it's uh, it is very destructive in a lot of ways. And so, we, you know, we just want the couples to continue to coming to come back until they are achieving the resolution that they're looking for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. 
Excellent. I think something that I want to add to you, not from like a ministerial point mm-hmm. of view, because I don't really minister to, to married couples in your capacity, but to also like there was a point when in our marriage, like in my own perception, it almost became like I v- was viewing my husband as my enemy, mm-hmm. like as an obstacle mm-hmm. to something that needed to be achieved. And when and I didn't even know that, um, mm-hmm. but I would you know, like when you feel like you're on a battlefield and you feel like you're fighting the enemy, then anytime they approach, anytime they approach, it's defensive. You're on the defensive. And so um, just a reminder, like your spouse, you are in a sacrament. Y'all are headed toward Jesus together um, as a married couple. And sometimes we veer and we fail and we sin and that sort of thing. But to realize that we are comrades on the mm-hmm. battlefield. Mm-hmm. We're on the same team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then when we tr- start treating someone either in our thoughts or in our actions as like, oh, they're they're on the opposite side. They're not yeah. on my team anymore. Then that is, at least um, for me and other experiences I have in talking to some friends who have had difficulty that your spouse is never your enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. And just realizing that and like, okay. Just, mm-hmm. And that, like it was my mantra. He's not my enemy. He's, not, he's my right. husband. Mm-hmm. Right. He's my comrade. I love him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's no, such a great reminder. Such a great. Reminder. Well, Jody, this has been such a fruitful and helpful conversation, and uh, we like to wrap up our episodes with um, our into the chariot uh, mm-hmm. moment. Um, we really want to give um, the folks who are listening uh, kind of a concrete thing to, to take away or, or a way to, to live out what, what we've discussed. Uh, but Jody, is there anything that you would, would recommend or um, challenge couples, whether they're engaged or married, um, to do as part of yeah. just their understanding of marriage? I, I guess I, I mean, it seems like such a simple thing to say, but I just really encourage, I encourage couples to just get down on their knees and pray. Mm. I mean, pray apart, pray together, just pray, just try. You know, if you're not doing any praying together right now, um, a good goal would be like, you know, going to mass together once a week and, you know, starting prayer at meals. You know, if you're already doing a lot of that kind of stuff, add something in, you know, just whatever, whatever you think you could add in, even, even if it's just for a time to being kind of intentional. But I think so much of where we fail um, to serve each other appropriately in marriage is when we try to do it ourselves and we forget to invite God on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. to be in mm-hmm. our um, in our home, in our family, and in our hearts, and our married life. And I just think that would be, I, I just think it's the most important thing that we can do uh, for each other and with each other as married couples is to pray. So, You've got one. Oh, yeah. Well, when I was uh, sort of preparing for today, I was reading this article um, by um, William E. May, who is a prolific Catholic um, writer and professor. I think he passed away in 2014. Uh, But he has amazing articles. And I was reading one of his articles, and he had talked about um, when he got married— he had been married for 53 years, but there was an exhortation that was read by the priest before the marriage ceremony. Um, so it was a it was a pre-Vatican II um, part of the rite of marriage, but it is beautiful. Um, and so I would encourage people to look at that. And um, for married couples or even engaged couples, because it really talks about what they're getting into. Um, I'll just give you a little glimpse, hopefully for inspiration. Um, it says, so part of it says, as you know, you are about to enter into a union which is most sacred and most serious, a union which was established by God himself. 
and then it only gets better from there. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, a, it's kind of long. It's not yeah. real real long, but too long mm. for me to read, you know, <laughs> on air. But um, but that's what I would recommend is to um, look at the uh, exhortation before marriage um, and and read that as a couple. Yeah. Have that as a as, – it could be as a prayer or as a reflection. Yeah. Um, but I'd never heard of it before, and I read it, and I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah, we'll put yeah. a link to that in our show notes. We have show notes. Isn't that great? That we, <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I think finally, um, we were talking a lot about community. Um, think about, uh, is there a couple in your parish community that, that, that you have observed that you just, whose marriage you admire, family life you admire and get to know them? Cause I think sometimes the Holy Spirit can give us that inspiration or, or you, you see the, the, um, the beauty of a, a couple who they've clearly, they've, Mm-hmm. They're living out the sacrament, and it's very inspirational. But to be able to reach out to them or just to get to know them, mm-hmm. um, maybe that'll rub off on mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> on, mm-hmm. on you and your your spouse. But but even just building that community and realizing like we, we need yeah. couples like that um, mm-hmm. within the the parish community. So this has been fun. This mm-hmm. has been fun. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Jody, for for joining us. Yeah. Yes, thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Um. So this is the podcast that Deanna and I host, but there are two other shows that are part of the St. Philip um, Institute podcast series, I guess. Anyways, um, so there's Dr. Stacy Tresenkos and Bishop Strickland, who um, host a show, and then Father Braun and Doug Berry, who <laughs> host a show, um, and then us two. Yeah. And so we just ask that you guys keep... Um, Checking us out, listening to the podcast, uh, follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all those social media sites. Um, please check out our website, uh, stphilipinstitute.org. And we want to make sure that we're not just sitting here just talking about things that we want to talk about, although we have a lot of fun, fun. doing that. <laughs> but we really do want to know what other people want to hear about. Um, if there's something about an episode that stood out to you or if you have questions or even a future podcast idea, uh, idea we would love to hear from you. So please send any suggestions or questions to podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for listen for listening. And Jody, thank you. And we will now close out with an apostolic blessing from the bishop. The Lord be with you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.